0: The questions you always had, the
1: answers you were never given, the place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. The aliens have arrived. While most UFO discussions are rehashes of old cases, tonight we present to you cutting-edge UFO research with several all new original cases of extensive contact. Greetings. I'm your host, Mal Fabregas. Tonight we'll discuss a wide variety of ETs, including various types of greys, praying mantis-type ETs, humanoids, and Nordics. The witnesses are normal everyday people who suddenly find themselves in very unusual situations. The unique and unusual nature of the cases will surprise even those well-versed in the UFO literature. These cases are included in a new book titled Inside UFOs, True Accounts of Contact, Its author and tonight's special guest is Preston Dennett, who began investigating UFOs and the paranormal in 1986, when he discovered that his family, friends, and co-workers were having dramatic unexplained encounters. Since then, he has interviewed hundreds of witnesses and investigated a wide variety of paranormal phenomena. He is a film investigator for MUFON, a ghost hunter, a paranormal researcher, and the author of 20 books and more than 100 articles on UFOs and the paranormal. His articles have appeared in numerous magazines and have been translated into several languages. His website is linked at ours, where you can also find a more extensive bio. Preston Dennett joins us directly from Southern California. Hello, Preston, and welcome to Veritas. How are you?
0: I'm good. How are you? Thanks, Mel.
1: Appreciate it having you on the show. Very well. I'm so glad to have you on because, as I told you offline, your name has been around me for many, many years, and you have written. 20 books, you've been at this for over 30 years, you're one of those people that, you know, a who's who in the UFO community, and I'm glad that it's been nine years, but finally we we got you on here. Preston, first of all, congratulations on the new book, Inside UFOs, True Accounts of Contact, but the question that comes to mind to anybody who starts in this field, how did you get involved in UFO research?
0: Uh, well, I can tell you it wasn't voluntary. It was kicking and screaming <laughs> really uh oh. i was very yeah I was very skeptical um this was a subject that kind of repulsed me uh wasn't interested in it, did not believe in it very skeptical and uh thought most of my family was turns out they were lying to me or keeping secrets rather uh same thing uh, I heard this report in the news about us sighting over Alaska. Sure, you've heard of it. It's a very famous sighting by Kenju Taroshi. He's the pilot. This was in November, 1986, and he sighted a UFO while flying his commercial Japanese airliner.
1: Yep. I was going to say Japanese, Japan Airlines. Yeah.
0: Right. Over Alaska and uh, amazing sighting, really. Uh, the whole crew saw it. It paced their aircraft for many miles for, I think it was nearly an hour. Appeared on their radar, appeared on ground radar. There were other witnesses. And you know, none of this was in the news report. They just kind of, oh, a pilot saw a UFO and they chuckled about it and made a few nervous jokes and moved on. But I thought to myself, this is a commercial pilot. Is he out of his mind? What is, you know, is he hoaxing? Why would he say such a thing? He seems serious. I thought, you know, he's got to be lying. He's got to be on drugs. He saw a reflection off the ice cap, but there's no way he saw an alien spaceship. And I kind of started talking about it to my family, my friends, and the people at uh, my office. And I have to tell you, Mel, I got a huge shock. I was hit by a ton of bricks when I found out that my brother had seen a UFO. Uh, he saw it with his two friends. My sister-in-law saw a UFO over Van Nuys Air Force Reserve Base here in California and later had a face-to-face encounter with your typical gray-type ETs. And it just went on from there. I had a friend who had a missing time encounter. He was also with someone else at the time. All these people had other witnesses with them. So this was kind of shattering my, uh I guess you would say, uh, my beliefs about that everyone who saw a UFO was alone. They were uneducated. They were from Kansas or something. Uh, but that wasn't the case. Uh, I was, I brought it up at work. I'm like, Diane, you know, did you hear about this pilot who saw a UFO? And she's like, oh, yeah, me and my whole family, we saw a UFO up in the San Gabriel Mountains. It was darting around. It would stop, hover, and turn at right angles. And I knew she wasn't lying. (laughs) I was pretty sure she wasn't misperceiving. Dorothy, you know, who I also worked with for, gosh, 10 years, walks in and hears us talking. She says, oh, I saw a UFO. In fact, my best friend saw it too, and my mother. It followed us home from the library. And she says, Preston, you know what's weird? It takes us only five minutes to get home from the library. We left at 9, right when the library closed. And she says, we didn't get home till 10.15. This is a strange time. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, here I am. This is like day one. And i right off into the deep end. Uh, never really heard of missing time. <laughs> so this really hit me hard. It was not good news. I felt completely scandalized. Uh, could not believe people I loved and trusted were keeping the secret from me. And I asked them about, about it. And, and they said, well, would you have believed me if I told you? And I'd just tell them, no, honestly, I probably wouldn't have. Uh, but I, you know, I started to believe then. I bought all the UFO books thinking, you know, I'm going to prove them wrong. And that's not what the UFO books were saying. I found out there's a mountain of evidence already. This was, you know, 30 years ago. So yeah, God, I just couldn't believe it. I really couldn't. So I got obsessed with it.
1: And, of course, course, in the 80s, we had a lot. By the way, I'm getting feedback. If you can lower the the speakers a little bit. Yeah, sure. Thank you. Well, the 80s, we we saw a huge wave of UFOs in the 1970s. But have you heard that in 2015-16, we have seen, allegedly, there are more sightings now than we ever have before? If so, to what do you attribute that? Is it because of cell phones and technology at the disposal of people who can film?
0: Yeah, I have two explanations for that and I'm not sure which is right. I think one possibility is that people are becoming much more aware of this phenomenon, much more uh, aware that UFOs are flying around and so they're reporting them more. But I'm not sure that that's true. I think there is also some evidence showing that there's an escalation of sightings, of this phenomena, in that, I mean, this started out with the modern age of UFOs in the 1940s, right? Late 1940s. Mm -hmm. And back then, there wasn't a whole lot of uh, sightings. I mean, there were waves and such, but not a whole lot of landings. Um, Certainly, abductions were unheard of, pretty much, until the, the late 60s and early 1970s. And I think what we're seeing more and more is, are these massive waves over large population centers. And I would point to uh, Hudson Valley or Gulf Breeze or Mexico City, uh, Belgium. I, mean, I could go on. There's just one after another. Stevensville, Texas was probably one of the more recent ones. But it looks to me like they're putting on a publicity campaign and trending towards Open contact, open official contact. I cannot see it going the other way. I think that the UFOs are here to stay. The evidence is that they've been around us for thousands of years. But what's happening now seems to me to be historically unprecedented. I mean, there's just nothing like this. If you look back through, you know, the centuries where there's just a saturation of sightings, so yeah i think it is escalating and i think we're trending towards open official contact
1: well a few years ago you remember the sightings in mexico city uh, guadalajara and just a couple of weeks ago i received some video of multiple sources in i believe it was tijuana the border with the united states and it was another flotilla or armada i mean we're talking about dozens and dozens of these white craft moving in unison I I don't know of anybody who have seen them in the United States, but it seems that in countries where they don't shoot them down, they seem to be more prevalent. Do you agree with that?
0: Uh, to some extent. I think we are lagging behind here in terms of disclosure. Certainly, Mexico has been very forthcoming and uh, other countries as well. But, uh, you know, it's hard to say. Uh, we have had some major sightings here, but there's an aggressive cover-up. Uh, and it's pretty rare that it makes it to the mainstream evening news. It would have to be a huge event like, you know, the O'Hara airport oh, sighting. Chicago. Yeah. The O'Hara, right? Um, things like Stevensville, just a few are big enough to really crack through this kind of, uh, media cover up that we have. So I think we do have the sightings. It's, we're just not hearing about it on the mainstream news.
1: I think it's interesting that you said that some of your friends and relatives kept a quote unquote kept a secret, but I don't think they do it, and I know many people who quote unquote keep the secret, and it's not that they want to keep a secret they just want to keep their sanity and they want to keep their friends and family members because <laughs> as you probably know by doing this for so many years is that the amount of pressure and ridicule you go through by people at your workplace by people outside and your family. They just don't understand. Those who haven't seen it cannot understand it. I mean, I personally have not had an experience that you could say, oh, you met an alien. I have seen, I have seen craft, I've seen lights, I've had experiences with human looking, a person who said things about my past and about my future that nobody else did, and then disappeared after I left that location after spending time with her for years. You know, Very, very difficult to explain to people who don't know that this is a reality.
0: Yeah, skeptics, they dig in their heels hard and they refuse to examine evidence, I think for a number of reasons. It is kind of scary to consider this subject. It affects you to your core. It's kind of really hits your whole worldview. I mean, after I found out this was real, I had to readjust everything. Uh, I mean, it was never taught in schools. I felt, like I said, scandalized. I had, I've become more skeptical in a way, because now I have to really question everything and thinking, you know, am I getting this? What, what, what's the reality here? And you know, I think there are still people within my circle of, you know, family and friends who have had encounters and still won't talk about it. It makes them uncomfortable. They're not happy with this subject. I think it's a really important subject. I think it's very interesting. And uh, I'm fascinated by it. I'm very open at work. And I think more and more we're kind of getting over that ridicule factor. Back in the day, yeah, people could be really cruel. and I'd go on, you know TV shows every now and then. and they'd put a debunker right up next to me to bash me down and in a personal way. I don't get that hardly at all anymore. So I think we're making progress. I, I mean, I sure hope so.
1: I think the debunkers are there for a reason, as you mentioned disclosure. Why are they keeping the secret the, the biggest secret to humanity if these craft come from other worlds? I mean we haven't been to their worlds, which immediately you presume that they are more advanced than we are. If that's the case, they have convert uh, they have conquered space travel, they have conquered probably disease, they have conquered energy. All those things, the two things I just said, health and energy, those are the two most profitable industries in our world. So if they were, come, they were to come here and share those secrets, our biggest industries will just collapse, which will immediately cause a, a financial collapse worldwide. Wouldn't you, would you say that this is a reason why the secret is kept
0: Oh, yeah, I think you hit the nail right directly on the head. It's a power struggle. It has to do with greed and money and holding power. And to a certain extent, who's ever doing this, covering it up, uh, some aspect of our government, other governments, I think it's the high levels of the military and probably corporations as well, but they've painted themselves into a corner. Um, It's going to be really hard to clear the slate with this. I think it is going to happen, we're seeing it. We're, there's a very strong movement towards disclosure. Um, people from every level of government have come forward, from presidents to generals to mayors to governors, senators, have all said positive statements about UFOs. So I think there's sort of, it's an open conspiracy now. Uh, we're, it's going to disclose, the cat's out of the bag. It's gonna happen. I don't know. I mean, I wanna see the Roswell UFO in a museum in my lifetime. And I don't know if I'm gonna get to see that, but someday I I just can't imagine that this goes the other direction.
1: Why isn't that when we think of the origins of UFO or or in our vernacular, of course, we have the Kenneth Arnold and the flying saucers in the 1950s, but we had the, the Roswell incident. That was kept quiet until probably, correct me if I'm wrong, was it 1978 that Stan Friedman was the one who came out with it, and then all of a sudden in the 1970s, this blew up until now?
0: Right. Can you imagine? Our tax dollars are being used to cover this up, and the UFO community would not even consider crashed flying saucers. The first mention, I think, was with Frank Scully's book, uh, Behind the Flying Saucers, yes. which was you know, viciously attacked. And now, a lot of researchers are looking back at it and saying, oh, you know, there's probably a lot of truth to what was in this book. He talked about the Aztec UFO crash. But yeah, I I mean, I totally agree with you. I think we've been very slow to pick up on this. The UFO community in particular, <laughs> I mean, we were skeptical. UFO researchers, I should say, were slow to even pick up on a accounts of abductions and humanoids people were yeah we'll talk about sightings we'll talk about radar return cases maybe landings but uh humanoid cases were slow to be accepted as well so i guess uh, it's just very difficult for our society to uh accept this not sure why that would be but uh yeah i think that's the case but you know speaking of ufo crashes i I'm of the opinion that they're a lot more common than people realize. It's it's not just Roswell and you know Kecksburg, Pennsylvania, and the uh, Paradise Valley crash in Arizona. I've written a series of books on There was a crash
1: states. in Paradise Valley? I thought it was the, the, the sighting in 1997. Was there a crash?
0: In Arizona, in the Paradise Valley, yeah, Kingman
1: area? Oh, Kingman, of course. Yeah, Paradise Valley was what we saw in 1997, uh, March, uh, by uh, Dr. Lin Is that what you're referring to?
0: Oh, no, not the Phoenix Lights,
1: which is a- Which is in it. Paradise Valley, but Kingman, yes, the, the other, right.
0: Right, but my point is, you know, having written like UFOs over California, um, a book about New York, New Mexico, Nevada, and Colorado's coming out later this year, every one of these states, um, it shocked me. They all have at least a couple UFO crashes, some up to a. I mean, New Mexico has like a dozen of them, California as well. Uh, New York has a, a handful of them. They all do. So if each state has at least one. I mean, we're talking 50, 100, 200 UFO crashes in the United States alone. So, uh, I mean, what's going on here?
1: I live in the Southwest in Arizona. You probably have been around here, I think and when you drive at night say from Sedona or the Grand Canyon and you st- stop your car at night the nights are unbelievable it's almost as if you're under a planetarium and it only takes about 15 minutes before before you start seeing lights that you know change they're not they're not uh uh what do you call it uh shooting stars they just change direction and you think what could that possibly be? But it's just that most people are not looking up or they live in places like where you are in Southern California where you have light pollution and you cannot appreciate the sky. But those who can't appreciate the sky, I would encourage you to go outside at night and take a look. Take a chair, cup of coffee, tea, and look up. I guarantee you that in less than an hour, you'll see something and it's going to make you question everything.
0: Oh, yeah. I totally agree. You know, I never saw anything growing up. Uh, didn't really look though. And I started investigating this stuff and almost immediately I started having sightings. And over the years, I've probably had a good dozen really good sightings. And yeah, if you want to see a UFO, you just got to go out and look for them. It's just that easy.
1: It's like people when you mention, I don't mean to bring the word chemtrails, but I'm sure you know what that is, right? Oh, yeah. When you tell somebody, look up and take a look at the sky, and they haven't seen, they haven't noticed chemtrails before, and they say, well, what? Those are clouds. But when you explain to them that it's impossible that those five planes are commercial jetliners just going by and spreading these.
2: Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now